This is Dialogue with Drake Dabu. My name is Emma Drake. And I am Swetha Dabu. This is the podcast where we talk about all things policy, politics, and pop culture. Our topic of the day is counseling services on PEI. COVID-19 has increased the focus on mental health in Canada and throughout the world. New issues have emerged, like increased rates of isolation, but old ones have also been exacerbated. Counseling, or therapy, is usually utilized to manage these. On PEI, counseling services and counselors are represented by the PEI Counselors Association, who advocate on behalf of and share resources with counselors. The PEICEA is currently working with the provincial government to develop a regulatory body for this profession. To talk all things counseling, with us today is counselor, cat mom, and potato chip connoisseur, Eileen Comboy. Well, thank you, Eileen, so much for joining us this morning. Our first question for you is, how are you doing? Oh my goodness. You can't ask a counselor how they're doing. No, I'm just <laughs> um, No, it's been a wild year. I'm doing all things considered really well. And um, yeah, just curious and interested about the podcast process. Also super curious about how you're going to edit this to make me sound really interesting and funny and smart. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think it's going to take a lot of effort on our part to get that part down. (laughs) Yeah, we're very happy to have you with us today. Um, our first formal question for you is, you know, whenever we're talking about mental health and PEI, there's usually a lot of confusion with some people using the words therapist, psychologist, counselors, oftentimes interchangeably, whereas there's a difference between these professions. So can you explain to our listeners the distinction between each of these? Yes, that's a great question and one that I actually get often myself. Um, so a therapist And also a counselor can kind of be a bit of a catch-all phrase at this point. Um, A lot of different professions can use those titles currently. You might have a degree in social work and be a counselor. You could have a degree or a master's in educational counseling and be a counselor. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of these use a therapeutic relationship to facilitate facilitate some sort of change Mm -hmm. um sometimes people will think of therapists also as like an occupational therapist so yeah those those are a bit more broad terms at this point especially here for PEI a psychologist um has an advanced degree in psychology um so for example not me doing my BA in psychology, coming out of that undergrad, thinking that I could be a psychologist at that point. But Mm. then you go on to do more education to become a a certified psychologist. And they would do things like diagnosing, psychological testing, say Mm -hmm. if you had, you know, if you were interested to find out if you um, had an attention deficit disorder, you might go see a psychologist. They would do clinical research um, and they often might work with psychiatrists to find a proper recipe for clients. Um, And I'm going to add in a psychiatrist into that equation because I think that's another kind of confusing element. But Mm -hmm. a psychiatrist is a medical doctor that specializes in treating uh, mental illness. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and they prescribe medication. So it can be really helpful to know the difference between those uh, different titles at this point, because for a lot of us seeking support through our, um, you know, insurance providers with work, it often at this point will say psychological services, which for the most part does mean a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, I never knew that. That's very cool. Yeah. So there's, yeah, you, you might see different people for different things, but I myself am a, uh, I have a master's in educational counseling. So that's a, a graduate degree that is directly related to the practice of uh, counseling, you know, talk therapy, using different approaches to, like I said, facilitate change with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Our next question has to do with your work with the PEI Counseling Association. So you are currently the treasurer and membership coordinator. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And uh, we're curious about the work of this organization and and seeing if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Yeah. So the um, PICA is a association that represents and advocates for the profession of counseling. Um, So for the most part, the association has been organized around um, networking. So making sure that counselors on PI know each other and can find out information from each other about the work and other things that might be of interest to counselors. Um, it's also been concentrated on providing professional development to counselors on PEI, mm-hmm. but actually a lot of that has kind of been put, put down a notch in priority level because, um, lately it's been very much centered around communicating, um, the updates for the upcoming regulation of counseling therapy. Mm-hmm. So that's been its kind of primary mandate as of late is just making sure that, folks who are practicing counselors on PI know about these upcoming regulations, are involved, are giving their input, and um, and yeah, that they're all kind of keeping up to date with the, the news to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So the PI Counseling Association, you know, it's very exciting that these regulations are coming up, and we're going to be talking about that later on. But the association represents counselors in schools, universities, colleges, hospitals, mental health agencies, rehabilitation facilities, career counseling centers, business, industry, correctional institutions, religious organizations, and community services. Now, this is a very broad range of services, and it encompasses pretty much almost everything. But can you tell us the difference between public counseling and private counseling? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot of different organizations represented in that question. But um, I think when we're thinking about publicly funded counseling organizations and private, one of the first things that comes to mind um, in the difference between the two is certainly cost. So um, if you were to go to the community mental health um facilities in your area. So for example, Charlottetown has one called Richmond Center. 
-hmm. or the McGill Center, those would be free of cost for folks seeking therapy. Um, same as the PI Rape and Sexual Assault Center for survivors of sexualized violence, they would uh, not have to pay a fee to uh, receive counseling. Mm -hmm. And then for a private counselor, the price can range kind of broadly anywhere between, you know, 110 per 50 minute session to maybe 200 for a 50 minute session. Mm. Um, so yeah, cost is definitely number one. Um, I would also say another difference and, and maybe not, unfortunately at this point too, too much of a difference, but might be wait time. So I know for a lot of the, um, public counseling centers on PEI that there is quite a long wait list for service, um, which I hope and we shouldn't deter folks from still reaching out and, and seeking support in that way. Um, and I know actually that there is, for example, at the um, Richmond Center, so Charlottetown Community Mental Health, um, that they have a walk-in clinic or they have, um, yeah, I think it's walk-ins a few days a week where you can mm -hmm. go you basically, you know, first come first serve and you can have a session, um, that day. And so that's a really wonderful service, but for a lot of it, it, it is a bit of a wait time and maybe with certain private counselors, you may have a, a less of a wait time. Mm -hmm. Um, so between like maybe two or three months, for a private counselor and maybe a year for a public um, counselor at times, like I'm gonna say. <laughs> Variable for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then another big difference I've noticed, and I think it makes a lot of sense, but um, if you are seeking counseling from a private therapist, you might have a bit more choice in the person providing the service, the type of approaches that they use, you know, um, maybe where they're located. So mm -hmm. a bit more choice is, uh, is certainly available if you're, if you're kind of, sh you know, basically shopping around, which mm -hmm. is what I encourage people who are in that position to be able to do so to do. I think sometimes we don't, I mean, it's certainly not, uh, we're still limited in certain ways on PEI about what services we access, but if you are able to kind of compare a few, a few people in your, in your immediate area that may match the, the need that you have, I think that's a really good uh, option to take because it's, it's nice to be able to ask your therapist, like, Hey, have you ever uh, served someone with a presenting issue like mine or a concern like mine? You know, um, what kind of training do you have to be able to treat or help me with this concern that I have? Mm -hmm. um, even, you know, I know that PEI is very small, like being able to feel confident that you are going to see someone that you have no, I mean, they should be looking out for conflict of interest, but making sure that you can kind of 
you know, say you wanted to see someone outside of your community, then that might be a choice that you're able to make um, potentially a bit easier with a private therapist. Um, And yeah, the approach that is taken. So a therapeutic approach, basically just kind of a framework for how um, therapists view healing. So for example, um, a lot of the public counseling agencies might use um, one certain approach, maybe not all, but they'd be eclectic, but they, they might have a grounding in a certain approach. For example, cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. which is very clinically sound and, and uh, but maybe that's not the approach that, that feels congruent with how you view life and healing. And, and so you want to check out someone else who leans a bit more toward, um, you know, compassion focused therapies or meditative therapies, you know, mindfulness based. Uh, so yeah, so if you're, if you're kind of going out and doing your own homework in terms of, of therapists, then you might be able to have a bit more choice that way. Where, whereas, uh, in a with a, a community service you you might you know you're connected with the therapist and that's your therapist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not every person you know not every person uh matches with the per- you know automatically with the person that they're given and that's the same for private therapy as well mm-hmm. the other thing the last thing i was thinking and i'm sure there's lots more but and both services are wonderful. I want to say this too, but um, because a a service that does not um, charge a fee uh, needs to address the needs of so many people, mm-hmm. they're, I think they're often providing more of a brief therapy model. So they give you a set amount of sessions and they're going to try and work within that. Whereas maybe with a private um, counselor, you may be able to have a bit of a longer um, time to address whatever concern you have. I know that there's a lot of great research that says um, that a minimum of 10 sessions is, is a great link to um, positive outcomes for people. So, so yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe brief versus long-term therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really awesome overview. Thank you for that. You're um, welcome. <laughs> uh, one of the points that you brought up earlier in regards to the PEICA is that um, currently a big focus of the organization is looking at the upcoming regulations uh, for counseling services on PEI. Now, PEI is one of five provinces alongside British Columbia, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Newfoundland where this is not regulated. Um, And of course, in some of the other provinces where it is, this is a more recent thing in around the last 10 years. Um, So for you folks who have been working on this um, and and have mentioned this on your website and are working with folks within that counseling community, what has this process been like uh, to develop what you folks see as needed in the regulations? Yeah, so... Firstly, I'd like to say I'm a very recent join onto the executive of PEICA. So I'm going to share some of the information that um, has been shared uh, with me from the association. But 
this has been a long process, actually. This the journey started in 2006, even. So we it's there have been people totally. lobbying for yeah, lobbying for regulation for quite a while. Um, yeah, so in 2006, the PI Counseling Association formally lobbied the government to ask um, to regulate counseling therapy. Um, and so then when in 2013, the regulated Health Professions Act was passed, a number of different health professions were then allowed to seek regulation under that act. Um, and then in 2017, the PICA application under the Regulated Health Professions Act was accepted and we were the 12th in line to be regulated. Mm -hmm. um, so it's looked like, wow. yeah, it's been, it's been a journey in it. And it, there's been a lot of wonderful people advocating for this, um, for our community and, and for the regulation of the counseling therapy profession. Um, it's been also one of, you know, like we're just an association uh, here on PEI. So again, advocate or representing the profession of counseling. So, and, and we don't, we don't make a lot of money as an association. So we also needed to uh, apply for grants. And we did that through the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association to help cover some legal costs. Um, at that time also, around that time a consultant was hired to draft some bylaws and help the uh, committee. So we have a regulation committee come up with some next steps. Um, and then actually in the summer of 2020, the Department of Health contacted the PEI Counseling Association to begin uh, draft regulations. Mm -hmm. And the PEI Counseling Association started reaching out to different counseling therapists and PEI to say, hey, this is coming. Yep. Like we need all of us to kind of band together to say what we want and to, to be a part of this uh, group and in the know. Um, and so it's also looked like that committee consulting with other regulated groups, looking at uh, recruiting a first counsel for the uh, counseling therapy college. Um, so that's drafting some people from our community who are practicing currently. Mm -hmm. um, also coming up with jurisprudence exams and policies and creating a website and all of the beautiful odds and bobs that go along <laughs> with being in college. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're, we've got draft regulations now and we're kind of ready. Awesome. I think August is when our college will open. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so it's like this summer and for the people who've been working so diligently on this, I think it's probably feels surreal to see it come to fruition. And, uh, and there's gonna be a period of time where, you know, those of us who have already been practicing have certain things that we need to do. Um, and yeah, it'll just be like, then we'll be a college. We'll be our title counseling therapist and CT will be regulated mm -hmm. or protected. Mm -hmm. Well, that's amazing to hear and, and to hear as well, like 
you know, like you said, folks at the PEI Counseling Association have been working on this since 2006. So um, I know if, if I were in those shoes, I'd be pretty eager <laughs> for, for August uh, of this year to see that happen. Um, and kind of going back to that, uh, you know, you folks have been working on this since 2006. Um, why is it important to have regulations of the counseling profession here on PEI? Yes, great question. Uh, number one, this is um, this is good for public safety. The act of counseling is such a um, it's such a delicate and powerful relationship that we mm -hmm. want people to have the proper training and the proper uh, use of ethics to facilitate those types of treatments, or I won't say treatment, but uh, relationships mm -hmm. in the way that is going to be conducive to healing, not harmful, um, and yeah, just safe for public use so that you can see that title, uh, you know, maybe in a psychology today ad or on your website for your community mental health, mm -hmm. uh, page and know that they have, um, the proper training, the proper work experience to, to trust that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. That that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, and another piece on that, you know, uh, with having not had regulations now up until this point, do you folks feel that um, this has been a recruitment or retention barrier uh, for folks in the profession? I, I do, at least. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> so I actually um, went to school in Ottawa and worked in Ottawa for a while counseling and um, was drawn back home by a nonprofit that had a, a position available. So the PI uh, Rape and Sexual Assault Center had a full-time position offering. And I was so excited and uh, actually got the position. Um, and then when I came here, I kind of realized that that was an anomaly, that there were not as many positions for counseling therapists that mm. I maybe had thought. And, and specifically, I noticed that they were not being hired in the public sector. So, you know, working at community mental health, I, right. I didn't notice positions being offered uh, where a background in, in counseling would be acceptable or mm -hmm. equivalent to um to what they were looking for actually what i did see a lot of was masters in social work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so yeah so i mean i can't be the only one who had that experience and noticed maybe a lack of um of uh offerings for that group of people and like if people have a master's in counseling, they're trained very well and they have have to go through hoops to, to get to where they're at. And so it's, it's just a shame to see that that may not have been um, used to the, to the most of its ability. Cause I know that we've 
had a great need for mental health services here on PEI. And just kind of on that last note with the regulations, uh, now that we do have um, this draft coming up and, and hoping to see that in the very near future, what are some key items that the PEICA or you individually would like to see included in these regulations? Yeah, I think um, I like framing it as uh, me specifically here because I can't speak for everyone, but I get the general sense that we're probably on similar pages, but, you know, meeting a level of education and training that is, um, you know, somewhat standardized and can be expected that you have received training in these different areas. Um, also the experience that you have and have gone through, like, uh, being able to say, it's not just one psychology course that I've taken, but I've gone through this kind of rigorous training and education to get here. Uh, It's not Eileen circa 2009 or whatever, who came out of of, uh, Mount A being like, I'm a psychologist now. No. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so education, training, certainly. Also, Uh, abiding by a code of ethics that is rigid Mm -hmm. and again protects the public acknowledges so many different things like I it was very interesting to go to school in Ottawa and then to come to PEI and have to kind of think about ethics in the light of living in a a smaller town because you know we would talk about conflict of interest. We would talk about confidentiality, mm. um, you know, dual relationships. All of these concepts are made either, or I guess they're needed to be even more rigid or yeah. more malleable depending on the context of where you're living. So like mm. for me to say, I can't ever service anyone, you know, that I may have known or like has some form of connection to me just doesn't really work here on PEI. I need to be able to maintain proper boundaries, but also acknowledge that uh, we have a small community and you may service someone who has some connection to your world. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And yeah, that it's important that you, understand the power in that and that you're protective of that Mm so um yeah so those two pieces especially education training ethics i think are Mm -hmm. my uh my top Mm -hmm. Mm go-tos absolutely and you bring up like a couple of good points that i wasn't even thinking about which is you know of course um all provinces across the country are pushing for regulations right now but looking at things from a very PEI specific context and how the small uh, size and population size itself um, would influence the relationships between counselors and the people who are accessing those services. Uh, Now we're gonna shift gears a little bit right now. Um, So as you mentioned earlier, um, unless you're having access to community mental health services or specific public counseling services, a lot of folks would turn to private counseling um, in order to deal with their many issues. Um, In April of 2020, the federal government included counseling services in its public services healthcare program 
which covers federal government employees. Um, and it's one of the largest programs just because of the sheer number of employees there um, as a way to help those suffering with mental health issues during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association uh, submitted a paper to the House of Commons Standing Committee on Health in January of 2021, asking for this temporary inclusion to be made permanent. Looking on the ground here, um, how do you find that the demand for counseling services has evolved during the pandemic as opposed to before? Great question. Yeah, the pandemic has really thrown a, a curveball for a lot of different people. And um, I guess for my own services specifically, I, I absolutely have noticed a drastic increase in requests. Um, even, you know, clients who may have uh, Move, moved on at times have returned needing more support during this time really? wow yeah so <laughs> it's um it's been an overwhelming experience for everyone i mean the things that we would normally recommend and and problem solve together in terms of coping mechanisms have been almost absolutely unavailable to people, mm. you know, like go, you know, get your serotonin and go to the gym or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> be with people. It's like those things haven't been available to us. And that's left a real, a real gap in our, in our ability to cope with things. So um, it's unsurprising to me that, that many of us have, have turned to, counseling and that that may have looked differently during this time and and I actually am grateful in a number of ways for the lessons that I've learned during this time because I would have said before that I was not comfortable with virtual counseling services or with telecounseling services mm. um, you know my my comfort is or where I feel that I serve people best has been in uh in person hopefully communicating some sort of warmth and like you know uh yeah person-to-person yeah. -person energy but uh but I've actually seen how wonderful the virtual counseling services have been uh I use a program called Owl Practice it's a Canadian company that offers counselors like um you know, scheduling management, mm. uh, billing and all that kind of stuff. And then also they have secure platform for virtual, like a video counseling. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, I guess it just kind of showed me too, that like folks with accessibility needs or, you know, childcare needs or whatever that may not have certain supports be, being able to access counseling from the comfort of your home might be mm. kind of a wonderful, uh, like a, a wonderful piece of the puzzle that was missing before. Yeah. yeah. Right. And well, that's a lot to think about. <laughs> I've just a whole lot. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I, I think in general, um, 
it's highlighted a need and also just like many things during this pandemic a real gap in our you know how we're supporting folks day to day um but also I'm trying to find a bit of the silver lining and seeing that um we've been really creative in how we've addressed that those gaps and and that I hope it sticks around mm-hmm. absolutely Something you brought forward earlier when we were talking about public versus private counseling um, is looking, of course, at the fact that people tend to go private partially because of the very long wait times that they may face um, in public counseling. You kind of said, you know, six months to a year. Do you find that cost is often a barrier for those who are struggling and looking to access counseling services? Yes, unfortunately. So, um... Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh it's been made more accessible through the the support of of um um you know, the public service healthcare plan, but I think that so many folks do not have uh the proper access to these types of therapy um services and so it's I mean I guess I would recommend for folks who are maybe feeling like they want to access private counseling but are worried about costs to look into therapists who might have a sliding scale that they could access. Sometimes mm-hmm. therapists will even save a few spaces um, specifically for folks who may um, need to access at a lower cost. And, and even specifically, they might identify certain populations that require those types of accommodations, like students. Um, I know even at times there's therapists who provide spaces for members of BIPOC communities, so Black, Indigenous, person of color community to uh, access services, because that's a barrier as well. So, but yes, it, it's hard. It's hard for many of us um, to have such a a valid and and, um, helpful service Mm -hmm. at that cost. Absolutely. And, you know, our final kind of formal question for you is, what impact do you think including counseling services permanently under the public services healthcare plan would have? I hope that it would relieve some of the burden on the public counseling sector, the community counseling sector. Um, I'm also thinking that, you know, many people for their day-to-day concerns really only need or are looking for talk therapy counseling rather than maybe what psychological services are offering. You know, we're not all looking for psychological testing or um, diagnosis. We may be looking to work with someone to have better communication with our parents or to um, develop coping strategies for uh, anxiety. And so I think that any way that we can make counseling therapy accessible to folks is going to just give us a broader and more direct route to uh, another wonderful source of support. So I would love to see that happen. 
Well, Eileen, you've given us a lots to reflect on. I know even listening to your explanation on the COVID-19 piece and, and how you've adapted in your own practice um, and how a digital piece may open up more doors in terms of access to those essential services. Like, that's so interesting. And, mm -hmm. and like you said, it's it's good to look for that silver lining <laughs> sometimes, uh, even when... Thank you, though the counseling reframe in me that did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're seeing your, your great work here in oh, practice thanks. right now. <laughs> um, well, we're also looking really forward to those regulations coming forward. Um, listening to you here today, I think it's a really exciting time uh, to, to be in, in the counseling world here on PEI or accessing those services. And, and like you said, I think that focus on, on public safety and, and, and ethics, especially somewhere like PEI is so important. So yeah. I'm really excited to see those come forward. Wonderful. All right, so we're going to go to the more serious part of our uh, interview right. now. The <laughs> beer panel, it is a standing um, order here on Dialogue where we uh, talk to our special guests about what their recommendations are on. It could be beer, as the name suggests. It could be other things. It could be a recipe. It could be a dessert. It could be a whole lot of things. So with that, Eileen, what is your recommendation as our special guest to our listeners i love this okay <laughs> so i have to say that one of my favorite um pandemic adaptations here on pi has been beer delivery <laughs> like, game changer for sure <laughs> i even just like i got to order beer from where did i i think two crows from halifax like we were really uh, getting creative and flexible during that time with our beer uh, consumption. But um, my pandemic beer, I keep coming back to this, is the Bogside Bon Voyage. Mm. The yep. champagne IPA. It was so good. I felt like it was a comfort and a friend. It's, it was so nice as a treat. I loved it. Um, and then... In terms of like, because I feel like I can't just give one recommendation. Okay. But in terms of snacks or food or whatever, I don't know where I have been for the past how many years, but our own Lai Thai here in Charlottetown has this delicious mango salad that has like a kind of a spicy, salty dressing on it. It has peanuts. It's mango onions like spring onion tomatoes it's just fresh and delightful mm. and that's my summer recommendation for everyone wow. well that's so cool I, i've never heard of of that that dish or of this the 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 place that you mentioned sorry what's oh, the name great. of it again lie thai it's it used cool. to be called leo's or i think it's they're two separate sorry lie thai is beside um kind of near dairy queen Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, beside Himalayan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they have Thai food. And so it's a Thai mango salad. Delicious. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. Sweta will go to you next. Perfect. Uh, my recommendation is actually 
um, a non-alcoholic cocktail from Craft Beer Corner that I really like. Um, it's called the TNT. So it's got black tea, rose water, uh, tonic, and lime juice in it, or lemon juice, one of the two, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but it's a very refreshing drink when you just want to hang out with friends but aren't necessarily in the mood for drinking for whatever reason. So yeah, it's just my recommendation. It's also perfect for the summer. And, you know, as we kind of get warmer, we sh I shift towards more refreshing drinks. And this is one of them. Oh, right on. Well, thank delicious. you for that. That does sound delicious. Mm -hmm. And my recommendation for today, I don't think I'm going to go with a beer. I, I think I've, I've exhausted perhaps my list. <laughs> I could go back to a classic, but I, I don't want to be repetitive to folks. <laughs> Not Coors Light. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> if I, I had to really share cool. my favorite domestic bottled beer, it has to be a schooner. Oh, it's good. Okay. Not Coors Light, just so that's reflected on the record here. Um, like, I can't even explain how much I hate Coors Light. Sorry to all the Coors Light drinkers out there. Just my mom, if you're followers. listening. <laughs> uh, but I am going to recommend uh, Merchant Man Next Door which is just a cute little patio here in Charlottetown. Um, they are quite physically next door to the Merchant Man restaurant. And it's kind of like a, a backyard kind of cool vibe, if you will. Um, they've got music set up. They've got picnic tables. In the pre-COVID times, they had yard games. So hopefully hopefully some point those will come back. Um, but yeah, it's just a really good environment, and um, yeah, I've always just had a really good time there. So that's that's what I'm gonna recommend. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been a treat, Eileen. Thank you so much for for sharing some time with us this morning. I I know um, <laughs> you're always so uh, warm and present when you were talking wow. about earlier when you were adapting some of your counseling practices. I, I definitely could see that, and, and you're just such a, a great presence to, to be around. So thank Aww. you so much for, for giving us some of your time this morning. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, and yeah, if I, I just want to put a plug out. If anyone of your listeners has any question about counseling or even you know if you're a student you're thinking about going that direction I have really enjoyed uh being a bit of a a pal to newbies so um please feel free to reach out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right well, on, that's very kind of you and we believe the message would have been received by our listeners mm -hmm. cool <laughs> cool well thank you so much Eileen thank you have a great Sunday you too Thank you so much, Eileen, for your insight and sharing your information with us. We're always appreciative to share time with you. Thank you. Our opening and closing music is Gaspé Z by Shane Pendergast. We hope you're enjoying the warm weather and staying safe. This has been Dialogue.